Okay, hello everyone and welcome to the Actus podcast, Talking CDI, the nation's only program dedicated to the clinical documentation integrity profession. The Actus podcast is a bi-weekly program dedicated to bringing you closer to the difference makers in CDI and sharing the latest news and information relevant to the CDI profession and Actus. Today, Wednesday, October 9th, marks our 134th program. So my name is Brian Murphy, Director of Actus, the Association of Clinical Documentation Integrity Specialists, and I'm your host for today's program, Vaping Associated Pulmonary Injury Syndrome. I'm joined today by my co-host at left, uh, our local celebrity here, as we called her in, in the pre-show, Laurie Prescott. Uh, Laurie is, of course, the CDI Education Director for us here at Actus in Middleton. She's the developer and lead instructor for the Actus Bootcamp um, and a subject matter expert with us. She's also co-author of our upcoming indispensable CDI reference, the Actus Pocket Guide. So welcome to the program, Laurie. Thanks, Brian. I don't think I'm the celebrity. I think I'm one of the people in the background supporting you. So come in. <laughs> All right. Well, we have we have two special guests and celebrities on today's show, both making their first appearance on the Actus podcast. We have with us uh, Harris Ali. Uh, Dr. Ali is the regional director of CDI for Prospect Holdings. He has served as a leader, providing oversight and expertise in CDI denials management, utilization review, process improvement, and case management. Uh, he's been getting much more involved in Actus these days. He currently serves on the Actus Regulatory Committee as well as with uh, Texas Actus leadership and formerly served on the Washington Actus Evergreen chapter leadership. And I want to welcome him to the program. So welcome, Dr. Ali. Thank you so much, Brian, for having me. All right. We also have with us today uh, Cesar Limhoko, MD. Uh, Dr. Limhoko is CMO of T Medicus. Uh, for more than 25 years, he has focused on assisting hospitals in establishing clinical documentation integrity, and delivered CDI services to critical access hospitals, community hospitals, regional referral centers, large academic medical centers, and multi-facility health systems located throughout the United States. Um, for those that follow him on LinkedIn and elsewhere, you've probably seen his philosophy is to provide the most accurate documentation of the patient encounter, which is accomplished through peer-to-peer -peer physician education, with the principal focus on the underlying clinical truth, which I love. Um, and uh, by way of background, Dr. Lamhoko also is a, uh, a strong voice in Actus. He's presented at our national conference as well as the HEMA conferences, uh, state and locally. And along with Dr. Ali, also serves on our Actus Regulatory Committee, which is where today's topic came from. Um, so I want to welcome welcome him to the show. Welcome, Dr. Lamhoko. Thank you, Brian. All right. And also need to acknowledge that today is uh, is Dr. Lamhoko's birthday. So join me in a virtual singing of happy birthday. We're not going to actually <laughs> sing and, and ruin the rest of your afternoon. Oh, shut <laughs> Need the mariachi band. have to put the mariachi band, band back in <laughs> the closet. Right. The mariachi. <laughs> All right. Well, as we always do, I'm going to start with a poll question related to today's topic. Uh, and the question reads, how are you currently coding vaping-associated pulmonary injury syndrome? And your options are 
pneumonitis due to inhalation of oils and essences? Are you coding it as SIRS of non-infectious origin with acute organ dysfunction? Perhaps you're coding it as a toxic effect of unspecified substance, accidental, parentheses unintentional. Um, maybe you aren't seeing this condition right now commonly or aren't seeing it at all, or other. Actually, and, and other, please do leave a comment if you have these. These are some options we put out for the coding of this, but if you have another way you're coding it, uh, use your uh, um, the comment portal on, on your screen, and we'd love to hear from that, and I'll try to work some of those in. So again, how are you currently coding vaping-associated pulmonary injury syndrome? Um, pneumonitis due to inhalation of oils and essences, SIRS of a non-infectious origin with acute organ dysfunction, toxic effect of unspecified substance, accidental. You aren't seeing this condition or other. All right, I'm gonna give folks just one more moment here. We've got about two thirds of our audience that has voted. I like to get this up to about 70%. So do get your answer in. And then we're gonna go ahead and close this out. And as we always do, we will come back to the results in just a few minutes. All right, as I mentioned, our guests today are Dr. Ali and Dr. Uh, Lumhoko. Gentlemen, I want to thank you for being part of the Actus podcast and coming on today's program. I know we have a lot to talk about, so let's just go ahead and jump right in. I thought it would be helpful if we could start uh, first by sort of describing what vaping-associated pulmonary injury syndrome is. I know a lot of us have heard about you know, vaping, and it's become a common practice, uh, unfortunately, but, um, you know, Maybe we could talk a little about the manifestations and sort of how big of a public health problem this has become. Uh, maybe we could start with Dr. Ali. Thank you, Brian. Well, Brian, I'm gonna describe vaping first. This will help provide more clarification as to what vaping-associated pulmonary injury syndrome is and why it's happening. So vaping is the practice of inhaling and exhaling aerosols or vapors produced by a delivery device referred to as e-cigarette. Now, these aerosols are produced by the heating of substances, including chemicals, nicotine, flavorings, and a combination of propellants, solvents, and oils. These chemicals also contain heavy metals at times, like lead. They have carcinogens, ultrafine particles, and agents used for cleaning device, and as a result, are also inhaled. Now, when all of this is going in, uh, it, it, uh, vaping-associated pulmonary injury syndrome is the collection of the signs and symptoms manifesting as a result of these effects of the chemicals uh, and solvents depositing in lungs. And as far as manifestations go, it resembles a respiratory tract infection with shortness of breath, a non-productive cough that may have started several weeks prior. Uh, the symptoms may be preceded by nausea, vomiting, abdominal pain. You know, these are the manifestations. As far as uh, how big of a public health problem it is, this is definitely a worrisome public health issue especially more so as 37% of 12th graders have reported vaping in the past 12 months. 10% of 8th graders have reported vaping in the past 12 months. The mean age of one of these vapist patients coming in is reported to be an average of 19 years of age. It's been reported that more than 800 cases of lung illness in 46 states have been linked to vaping, and 16 people have died as a result. So this is definitely a serious public health issue. 
Right. Yeah, and we're going to get into some of that a little later in the show, too, with some articles uh, from the regulatory committee. Do you have anything to add to that, uh, Dr. Lamhoko? Although we still have much to discover about its pathophysiology, there's a lot in common in this disease with what we've seen in toxic poison gas inhalation injuries. Um, it's basically a toxic chemical fume injury to the lungs. So if you follow how it goes into the lungs, the caustic chemical injury goes first to the airways, then it goes to the lung tissue around those airways, which will have the same chemical burn. And these changes also result in a, the body trying to heal itself. Um, I think that's very important to, to, to note. Um, unlike traditional cigarettes or marijuana smoking, as Dr. Ali had mentioned, vaping uses solvent to heat and aerosolize the flavorants, also known as juices. And this consists of various aldehydes and alcohols mixing and aerosolization of these components create new compounds. So because of all of this stuff going on, uh, we're still in the midst of finding out what specifically are these substances that are actually causing the destruction and the injury to the lungs. Um, the lung injury is more than what one finds in a pneumonia, secondary infection, or by any other means of lung injury. Um, and that has become one of the requirements in confirming vapors, that you have to make sure that the injury is caused by something other than pneumonia or other conditions that may actually injure the, the lung. Um, um, I think a, a, a good example of this, for example, would be uh, if you have a, uh, a homeless person uh, out in the street who's also a drug dependent person who who happens to vape also and uh, he gets an injury to the lungs uh, it may be from many other different reasons you can have injury trauma you can have um, actual infection causing um, uh, disease in the lungs so these are the things you have to contend with and figure out what's causing the injury to the lungs. Is it the vaping or is it something else? Gotcha. Back to you, Brian. Thank you. Interesting. I want to put you guys on a public service announcement to talk to those eighth and eighth graders about what they're doing. Um, you know, what's also interesting is, you know, there are challenges in formulating the diagnosis and, and linking it to vape use, but what issues are you seeing with the condition from the documentation side? Um, you know, people can call this many different things. They might not be using the same terms. Are there um, problems associated with obtaining an accurate diagnosis, or is there also problems related to how it's being documented within the records? May I um, answer your question, Lori? This is you Dr. may. One of the things that comes into play is that if the doc, um, a physician, documents because the sputum culture grows streptococcus pneumoniae, he says that this is pneumonia secondary to streptococcus pneumoniae, or he would say this is pneumococcal pneumonia, 
then it actually kind of takes the burden off of the vapors because you're saying it's due to the infection. And one of the main things that um, the surveillance uh, requirement is, is you have to you have to discount other things that may cause the injury. And the physician may not know this, that you have to be careful and you're saying that the actual cause of the lung condition is the infection and not the vapors. So it, you know, it will be a he said, she said kind of situation. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas the real problem in vapors is much more than what you will find in a pneumonia secondary to streptococcal pneumonia. And we can go into that later as to what are the findings in radiology and CAT scan which really is a lot different than what you would see in a regular infection. Great. Sorry. Dr. Ali, do you have anything to add? Yeah, definitely, Lori. I, I feel the issue we are seeing is that there's a lack of clarity as to what's going on, which is leading to confusion. And this is why it's so important that our CDI teams get clarification to help the patient get more focused treatment for their condition, and as well as education of our clinical teams uh, for improved uh, awareness of APHIS. You know, like uh, Dr. Linoco uh, mentioned, it's a little atypical in presentation. You'll likely have a failed history of, an, uh, of outpatient treatment. Uh, you'll have a much younger population. Uh, and one thing that's, that's also been reported with these patients is they have, uh, well, some of the, the, these, these uh, uh, users or vapors have uh, reported altering the composition for an enhanced effects or a kick. Uh, you know, users report adding other potentially harmful substances and oils and hacking the device for modification of the delivery. Um, and that, those points in the history, as well as the x-ray, you'll find pulmonary infiltrates, you'll find ground glass appearance on the CT, uh, and the absence of a pulmonary infection. And like Dr. Limhoko said, You'll, uh, other diagnoses will have been ruled out. That's how we're isolating this diagnosis. So it's definitely a, a combination of confusion of documenting the accurate diagnosis because of lack of education, as well as su supporting documentation lacking. Right. Mm -hmm. Thanks. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate that. Um, I actually wanted to jump to the sort of the, the coding question. This was our poll question, and we'll be pulling up these results uh, in a little bit. But I'm wondering what coding recommendations you have for this condition. You know, I've, I've been seeing some good debate. We've had some uh, emails going back and forth about this on the regulatory committee as this condition has been cropping up in, you know, some of their PEDS hospitals and the like. How are you recommending that organizations currently code vapus and uh, we'll sort of see what what how that compares to our poll results maybe we'll start with dr. Ali on this one thanks Ryan uh, well we definitely have to code it as is documented per coding guidelines and that's where our queries are trying to clarify if this is a lipoid pneumonia as a, or a result of poisoning or is it just the pneumonia uh, so some clinicians feel this should be a result of Poisoning, which is fine too if it's supported, but that's definitely going to drop your reimbursement uh, as far as lipo pneumonia. When you're doing the pathological, uh, when you look at the pathology of these, uh, the alveoli, you see lipid laden macrophages, which is uh, pointing towards lipo pneumonia. So 
that is probably what it, what I would recommend. Uh, but Dr. Limogo? Yes, I very much agree, um, Dr. Ali. Um, the um, I, I guess I think uh, what I would like to say. So again, um, we need both the uh, the physicians and the CDIs and even the coders um, get to a level playing field and understand that what we're trying to get to is the real source of the illness. What is going on with the patient? Um, and that's it. Yeah. Brian. Yeah. No. Thank you. That uh, that's that's I know that's important. Um, so we, before we move on here, I just we, we we are getting some questions from folks. The, I don't know if you guys have any uh, you know clinical indicators that might help um, our audience distinguish vaping from associated injury from like a pneumonia. Is there anything in particular that that jumps out as different there? Well, it's not really the clinical features that I would say is different. It may be the same. The the problem is the extent of the injury is very much different. Um, if you look, I think the defining um, evidence really will be the CAT scan. Because in the CAT scan, you will see um, that what Dr. Ali had already um, mentioned before, it's the ground glass appearance that's um, diffuse. And um, which you won't necessarily see in a regular pneumonia. Uh, regular pneumonia, you will have infiltrates in a lobe or a sublobe or what have you. Whereas when you look at the, even at the, even at the uh, chest X-ray, you have a worse look compared to the regular pneumonia. And if you do a CAT scan of that lung then you will find those the ground glass appearance. So just the severity of your radiologic findings, plus you 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 marry that with the features, the background, the patient, and um, and then you will come to a better understanding of what the patient has. Lori. Yeah, um, you know, I'm I'm listening to you, and you know, I'm thinking as a CDI looking at the chart. Do you have any suggestions for query techniques or how to clarify this um, with the providers, and any strategies that we can um, give our listeners as to how to help educate their clinical staff related to this would be helpful too. Doctor Ali, would I you like a, to? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Doctor Ali. Well, Laurie, I think we are going to be providing a resource alongside this podcast uh, uh, on the ACTIS website that I think Brian mentioned, uh, which should help our colleagues formulate queries for the facilities. We've also included a sample case uh, to share with uh, our clinicians, with our team members, so they can learn. Uh, I, I definitely believe the key to successful CBI is great communication channels with supporting education. Um, as far as uh, VAPIS and the and, uh, Queries go, what we want to differentiate is whether this is uh, straightforward pneumonia, whether it's uh, the lipoid pneumonia, whether it's a uh, poisoning or toxic effect. Uh, so that is the clarification we're looking for. And uh, I believe the key indicators, I won't say clinical, but the indicators that I would utilize are the key things from the history, the young age. I would utilize the 
uh, x-ray findings, I would also utilize the response to steroids is gonna be significantly greater, and there's likely gonna be a history of failed outpatient treatment, which usually you won't find in, in pneumonia. You will find some response, not a failed response. Right. So those are the type of things I would utilize. Thank you. Cesar, do you have um, anything to add? Totally with, yeah, I agree totally with Dr. Ali. Um, one of the things that CDIs um, would be contending with is um, both the under-documentation of VAPIS-related uh, injuries and also the over-documentation mm -hmm. of, of, of the same. And one is to contend with that. And again, uh, going back to what I said before, are the findings on this patient more consistent with one or the other, as Dr. Ali had right. had and said. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you, guys. That's, that is helpful. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, just to wrap up here, we, we did, uh, Dr. Ali mentioned an article, so we, we do have an article that's just come in from the regulatory committee that we will be posting on this subject. It does have a nice clinical scenario in there as well as some uh, query uh, recommendations. So more information to come on this important topic. Uh, I did want to bounce back to our poll result at this time where we asked uh, folks, how are you currently coding vaping-associated pulmonary injury syndrome? So you should all be seeing our results on the air. So majority, 60% aren't yet seeing this condition. Um, we've had a few comments from folks that saying they weren't frontline CDI and it may be existing, but they haven't seen it yet. But of those that, that have, uh, most are coding it as uh, pneumonitis due to inhalation of oils and essences, that's 19%. 13% uh, are coding it as a toxic effect, of unspecified substance, accidental. And 1% um, are coding it as SIRS of non-infection origin with acute organ dysfunction. And the other uh, 8%, I'll, I'll kind of go through some of these results here in a moment, but um, any thoughts here from, from our two physicians? Maybe Dr. Ali to start, any thoughts on the poll results? Well, I think we're in the right direction. I think uh, more more focused education is a key here. Uh, I'm leaning towards the pneumonitis myself, uh, but as we learn more about this condition, we can finally formalize a particular uh, diagnosis we want to uh, focus on. Uh, with that education, I think we'll have great progress. Mm-hmm. How about you, Dr. I agree. I agree. And as um, I just wanted to add, as Dr. Kennedy had pointed out before, it's a syndrome. So there are different manifestations, features in a syndrome. Mm -hmm. And I would like to add also that it has increasing severity. So you have patients may, maybe would have vaping-associated pulmonary injury that's really minimal, you know, like coughing, and that's all. Or you can have some bleeding. So you can have hemoptysis, or you can have a patient with actual uh, pulmonary infiltrate. And then you will have patients who are coming in who are in actual acute respiratory failure. If you think about a patient with destruction of the lung caused by this caustic fume going through the tubes and finally invading the surrounding lung structure, you will you will realize that at some point it's going to affect the gaseous exchange. 
therefore the oxygenation is going to be impeded. And if it gets impeded to the point that it's unable to sufficiently um, uh, give out the requirements of the body, then the patient is in acute respiratory failure. Now, the next step to that is that in this kinds of insults or injuries, or any kind of insult or injury, um, you will have the body reacting to it in a toxic manner, flooding the airways, flood, flooding the alveolis, and that's what we call a non-cardiogenic pulmonary edema. Then we've come to the, we've crossed the threshold of just a regular, uh, you know, injury to the lungs. You now have your immune system flooding the, the, the lungs with fluid, trying to fight this, but in a, in a toxic manner. And this is where your acute respiratory distress syndrome comes into being, which is really part of what a dysregulated host infection is, mm -hmm. also called SIRS, your systemic inflammatory response syndrome. So a lot of people don't realize this, but acute respiratory failure per se is not, it's not like a, a gimme for SIRS. Because you can have a patient swallow a, a, a peanut into the lung, block a large bronchiole or bronchus, and therefore cause acute respiratory failure. But that's not a systemic inflammatory response. That's just a matter of a mechanical obstruction of the lung tubes. But when you have the patient's lungs flooding it with fluid and all sides of the immune system, that's when your systemic inflammatory response comes into being. That's what acute respiratory stress syndrome is, which is part and parcel of your systemic inflammatory response syndrome, which is part and parcel of, you know, of, of this big toxic dysregulated host response infection, which may include CARS or your counter autoimmune respiratory response syndrome. Back to you. <laughs> All right. Well, those were great and uh, really appreciate that. I just, uh, we got, let me pull up something here. We did get a number of interesting comments about how people are coding it, which we'll get into in a moment, but I um, wish I could go through all these, but some folks wrote hypersensitivity due to vaping, DRG196. Um, uh, let's see. I've had two patients, both ended up with ARDS, so that is what I coded. A um, couple other like comments. Yeah, obviously folks are, are kind of arriving at what we were getting at, but there are there, you know, still more to come here as we learn more about the, the diagnosis. So really do appreciate all the good comments on, on the coding piece. Um, did want to jump over briefly to our in the news segment. We'll touch on this just briefly. We're getting near the top of the hour here, but um, this is a piece I'm showing. It's a it's a summation actually of several news articles by uh, Kaiser Health Network. Uh, great website, by the way, if you're not subscribed to it. But they this this does get into some of the extent of the uh, widespread issue of vaping in general, um, as well as um, you know, the condition we were talking about today. Uh, this actually, as I, as, I, as I pull this up and look at it, it has vaping-related injuries now at 8.05. Um, 
this actually has been updated with some new information. When we started gathering information on this for our members, um, we pulled some CDC statistics, and that is where the 805 number comes from. But actually, as of October 1st, the CDC is reporting 1,080 cases and 18 deaths. Um, so certainly, this is a, uh, if, I don't know if the word epidemic applies yet, but I think we're getting there. It's, it's quite, you know, quite a large problem. Um, so just uh, some of the recommended articles here. Um, you can check these out. I'll, I'll post a link to them after the program, but there's this pieces from the New York Times, Washington Post, Wall Street Journal. I also wanted to share this one. This was from in one of our regulatory uh, committee members from a children's hospital, the next epidemic vaping. Um, and just a little bit of uh, summary of this article. Uh, as childrenshospitals.org previously reported, data from the National Institute on Drug Abuse suggests the number of adolescents and teens who use e-cigarettes is on the rise. I know, Dr. Ali, you mentioned this during the show. Uh, among high school students, 37% of seniors have tried vaping, up from less than 28% in 2017. Uh, and the CDC has found a 78% increase in e-cigarette use by teens in just one year. Um, that's led to an urgent need for adolescents to understand the risks of vaping, say researchers uh, study in pediatrics. That journal indicates e-cigarette users are, vape, uh, are vaping a number of cancer-causing volatile organic compounds. That's really, I know, I know we touched on this during the show, but to me that really complicates the issue because these are not all uh, regulated vaping products. There's, there's been incidences of, you know, tampering with the, the jewel, the, the actual packet of flavor that goes in there, and a number of foreign substances being added, THC, other, other foreign substances. Um, that's just further complicating this, this complex problem. A nice quote in here from um, the study's lead author, Mark Rubenstein, MD. Teenagers need to be warned the vapor produced by e-cigarettes is not harmless water vapor, but actually contains some of the same toxic chemicals found in smoke from traditional cigarettes. And he also notes that the research shows that e-cigarette use by high school students was a significant predictor they would go on to smoke traditional cigarettes. So sort of a, a gateway there. Um, just curious if you, the Dr. Ali or Dr. Lamhoko, had any any comments on these articles? I think uh, you know it, more awareness is what we need right now. I think people are taking this way too lightly, and as, as you highlighted, this is not just inhaling water vapors. This is toxic chemicals or substances that you're inhaling, and you've got a device which is boiling these at super uh, super boiling these at, at such high heats that. You don't realize, and this is affecting the the, the alveoli at the macro, uh, microscopic level. It's, it's it's depositing the lipids, the oils, in your uh, alveoli, and that's why it's trapping the the uh, solvents there, and you can't you're having all these issues. But I, I really think education, awareness, and and regulation. We need a lot more regulation. That's what I'm I'm uh, pushing for. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I wanted to add something to that. Um, there, there's also one study. Um, uh, it was mentioned in the New England Journal of Medicine that there was one study that um, 
they didn't see actually lipoid pneumonia in their cases, which is kind of interesting. And I think it's attributable to, to the fact that maybe those cases may not have had, may have different solvent that they were taking in, as Dr. Ali had mentioned. So depending on what the vaping uh, flavors are, you will have different kinds of effects. But again, you just have to understand that the nature of the illness is that you have this, as Dr. Ali had mentioned, this superheated aerosolized fume of gases with combined solvents, which which now create different other compounds, are going into your lungs, your first into your bronchus, your bronchioles, and your alveoli, and that's what's causing the the injury. Mm -hmm. Dr. Brian. All right. Well, thanks, gentlemen. We'll just wrap up here with a with a quick Actus update. So this is a, a glimpse of what's going on inside of Actus. Uh, you can see here we have a, a poll up on the website that I'm encouraging folks to go over and take. It's on the front page of uh, actus.org. I'll scroll up here just a little bit. You can find the poll sort of on the right-hand gutter of the web, web page. Um, so uh, CMS, um, uh, excuse me, the National Center for Health Statistics, uh, we're, we're hearing is planning to transition uh, ICD-10-CM from sepsis-2 to sepsis-3 uh, next October. Apparently this is up for comment right now. Um, this was uh, from the, the minutes of last month's ICD-10-CM Coordination and Maintenance Committee. So we're trying to gather some statistics on what people think about uh, this impending change. So I encourage you to go over and take that poll. We are asking, um, move this down a little bit here, whether uh, how do you feel about the proposal to move from the more generalized sepsis code and replacing it with more severe forms? So we've got 60-odd votes in, hoping to get that poll up a little higher and improve uh, the data on what people think of this uh, impending change. Um, but there was also re yesterday a, a really nice, I thought, uh, listening session by CMS on some of the uh, proposed, so this is not actual it's not a proposed rule yet, but they had a listening session on how they're planning to update their their MSDRG, CC, and MCC um, structure for 2020-21, um, sort of some of the analysis, the data analysis they've done, and some of the changes that's pointing towards. Um, I will, We will be posting a link and reporting on this. The session was just held yesterday. I am told it was recorded. Uh, CMS said they recorded the call and we will post a recording to that, but it's sort of a preview of what we think we could be seeing in the 2021 IPPS proposed rule, uh, which typically comes out around uh, April. So more to come on this, just wanted to alert our listeners about that. All right, that is gonna do it for today's program. Um, we'll be back here uh, again in two weeks for our next episode. We're starting a three-part clinical series uh, on different diagnoses. Part one will be on some various types of anemia. So hope to see you back here again in two weeks. Again, want to thank Dr. Ali and Dr. Lamhoko for their great insight and expertise on today's important topic. And as always, if you have any suggestions about the format of the show or future topics you'd like to see, please send me an email at bmurphy at actus.org. Thanks again, and uh, take care, everyone. We'll see you back here again in two weeks.
Bye-bye, guys. Thank you. Mm -hmm.